Hey, Bucketheads, it's Joe with at CBBDFS. Not quite as a hot intro as last time, but still, hopefully I'm bringing a little bit of heat. And I have James and Bird with me as well to get the party started, right? Sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, let's sure. get, let's get sure. it. Sure. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Come on, we got to get pumped. This is our last Saturday morning shoot-around pod as we know it. We've done 11 of these this year where we've broken down the Saturday 11 a.m. slate and given these people good winners. And uh, and this is our last one, at least from a traditional standpoint. Yeah, it's amazing how fast the season has gone by. It's just, it's just crazy. Yeah, conference tournaments on today. Big, big valley shakeup with Northern Iowa going down. Um, don't see them on the slate too much, but uh, it's it's that time of year. It's upon us. James, is Bradley gonna make a little run here? Uh, I think so. Yeah, they're they're pretty good, and obviously made it last year. Gave Michigan State a pretty good game in the tournament, so I think they're prime, especially with Northern Iowa getting beat today. That was huge. Arch Madness. That's actually a fun tournament if you're ever around the St. Louis area. It's put on well, and it's it's a lot of good teams. It's concise and well run. We've had a lot of fun going down to that Arch Madness tournament in the past. Well, hey, uh, let's uh, move on to what's important to our listeners, and that's the 11 a.m. slate. But before we do that, like always, um, Bert, I don't think we had any new reviews out there, do we? Uh, no reviews. We had one more five-star rating. Uh, but, yeah, if, if, if uh, Bucketheads have some time, feel free to leave us a review. Uh, we'll be sure to read that. Uh, if you want to ask us any questions during the review, you can do that too. Uh, but we appreciate it. It just helps get a little bit of exposure to our podcast. Absolutely. The slate tomorrow looks like it's a $12 2K going to first. It's kind of an odd slate, but this time of year, the slates are going to be a little bit weird with games coming and going and slates popping up later than usual. There's also some uh, last chance qualifiers to get in some of the bigger tournaments, right, Bird? Yep, there's still uh, some mania seats out there. And there is some of those $15, uh, looks like there's going to be a $15 Thursday tournament for March Madness that there's some qualifiers for. Uh, there's also the $300 World Championship uh, tournaments as well. So the, kind of the usual stuff that's on Saturdays. And hopefully our Bucketheads can take advantage of those and, and win some money. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, hey, um, we did solicit around four this afternoon uh, some questions from Twitter. And a uh, friend of the pod, Tanner, Tanner Reese, came with a two-parter. You guys want to field a quick question? Sure. All right, James, I'm going to start with you. And uh, I'm going to interpret this how I read it, but he says when, when we're building cash lineups, do we, I assume the three of us, do we play our three cash plays, our three value plays, and then if so, what are we doing with the last two spots? And I think what he's doing is he's referring to the CVGB where we're giving out cash, value, GPP, and bus plays. So in that context – do, are we typically playing our three cash plays, our three value plays, and then what are you going to do with your last two spots? Yeah, I play GPP a lot and not so much cash. So for me, I would try to hit definitely the value plays because those are huge. They allow you some you know flexibility to get higher price players on uh, on your roster, which is great. Um, so that, that's definitely target those guys, and then you know of course the GPP guys. You know in cash lineups, it's, it's Bird probably a little bit more of an expert than I am on it, but for those extra two spots, you know, if you put all those cash guys in, you know, maybe you can take a chance and uh, stretch out a little bit and try to get somebody that's going to show a little bit higher ceiling. Yeah. What about you, Bird? Yeah, in those cash games, uh, you know, so we're talking about 50-50s or heads-ups or uh, some of those double-ups or, or maybe your smaller tournaments. Um, I'm probably going to play our cash plays that, that we mentioned in the, in the pod, and I'm probably going to play maybe one or two at the most of those value plays. 
Um, I typically try to create a little bit more balanced lineup for my cash lineups. Like, like James talked about with tournaments, you don't need to play all those value plays and do a stars and scrubs type of lineup in cash. We really want to try to get that four, four and a half X, uh, try to get your 215, 220 points and guarantee that cash. Um, and then GPPs, obviously, we're looking for that those those bangs, those you know seven, eight Xs that we can get from those low end guys and stack up a bunch of studs and, and see what happens. And and I'll I'll add one more thing before we move on to the second part of his question, but uh, we, this isn't groupthink. All three of us don't necessarily agree with our cash plays and our value plays. You know, we have discussions off the pod, um, and we do vocally support you know choices when we like them. But there's times where if we're quiet, we might not necessarily like who who James or Bird predicted as as a cash play or as a value play. Just because you're getting three names, you know, that's one of the things that we've always tried to do at here at, at CBDB DFS is we're, we're not here to give you a lineup, right? We're just want to equip you guys with tools and information. Um, that's part of the reason why we went to this new format. So we could get more names out there and in front of you guys. So when you're talking about playing three of these and three of these, I don't think we ever want to be seen as a provider that is giving you six or eight names. I fully agree with that. And then the value plays, especially, you know, our, our so our, our prerequisite there is they have to be 4,500 or less. And sometimes there's just not very many good plays under 4,500, but for our game, we have to pick some players. And so we mm-hmm. try to make that known when we're, when we're talking about those, but yep. uh, yeah, definitely create your own lineups. We're trying to give you as much information as possible so that you can make your best lineup. Right. And, and value is just the name of cheap. Um, you can have a guy who's a value at 6,000. We've seen that all year as well. So we're, we've got, we're going to wrap up our competition this year. We'll let you guys know how we did. I know some people have been following along and keeping tabs on it, which we love. Um, but ultimately we'll reevaluate and see if it's something we bring back next year. Now, the second part of Tanner's question here, um, he wanted to know what our plans were for March Madness podcasts. Are we going to be doing write-ups? Are we going to be doing uh, these only for, like, the main slates? Are we going to do every slate? Which, you know, I think we all know that's not necessarily possible. James, correct me if I'm wrong, but they released everything pretty early, and we were able to get write-ups for Thursday and Friday done. Does that sound right last year? We did, yeah. We did the the pod, of course, sort of on the tournament as a whole. I think that was on maybe right after Selection Sunday. Maybe it was the Monday following. Sure. And then we spent that week writing up the Thursday and Friday slates. And that seemed to work pretty well. And so hopefully we get enough advance notice uh, this year as well that we can do the same. Yeah, that's kind of, I think, and I was talking to Bert a little bit on lunch the other day about this as well. We're kind of at the mercy for conference tournaments um, based because they won't release these slates until games are completed and they know who's playing who. So if we don't have time to provide you a good quality write-up or produce a good quality pod, we lean on the side of not doing it because we don't want to do something half, half-assed. Is ass a swear word? Nope, you're good. All right. I mean, am I wrong there, Bird? No, I think that's that's right. I think we'd rather give great content rather than than average content. And uh, we do all have full time jobs. And, you know, like Joe said, it it depends on when DraftKings drops uh, slates. We're going to try to do as much as we can. Uh, We will definitely have our best content of the year for the Thursday and Friday of the tournament. Right. And and we have had talks about having just not necessarily DFS related, but just getting the three of us together on Monday again to talk about the tournament as a whole. Yep. I think that's fair. I think that'll be a lot of fun. All right. Well, that's enough with our questions for Twitter. Thank you, Tanner, for sending those out. Um, let's get into the slate. We got 11 games on the docket. When we were grouping these, it was kind of nice to see that only three of them 
we're in the uh, the don't go overboard section, the, the 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 kind of the games that we don't necessarily like. And and Bird, why don't you get us started? Yeah, only three games in the don't go overboard section, and the first one is from the Big Ten. Rutgers is at Purdue. Purdue is a five point home favorite with a lowly over under of one twenty five. Uh, James, what are your thoughts on this one? Um, I'm not going to talk a lot about it actually um, for obvious reasons here, but I will call out a couple names here. Uh, Trevion Williams for Purdue. Uh, he had 36 DK. That was five X uh, 6,900 at the rack. So at Rutgers previous uh, earlier in the season, uh, Eric Hunter, uh, somebody that I've been vocally against <laughs> in the last podcast and in a write-up <laughs> both times he put up five X. Um, so I'm going to say, don't play him at all. Uh, which is code for you actually want in. to play him. Get him in right. there. <laughs> Evan Boudreaux, 5,600. Uh, he had 7X at Iowa the last game and 4X uh, last time at Rutgers. Um, so he seems to be kind of a, a nice fit, and it looks like just the oldest man possible. That He's ever 45 basketball. years old. Oh, my God, yeah. How does Purdue <laughs> find these guys? I don't know. I'm pre- he had maybe it was an assistant coach. I don't know. I don't know what happened there. <laughs> Uh, Sasha Stefanovic, he's uh, 4,900. He's priced down. I only mentioned him. It wouldn't be a great play. He's kind of a gamble. He was 0 for 5 at Rutgers um, earlier in the season. But he is a guy that is a streaky shooter, and he tends to at shoot home. pretty well at home. Maybe somebody you can look at. Uh, Rutgers giving up 34% of their scoring from three. On Rutgers, we've got uh, – I actually only had one name listed. I mean, there's guys there, of course, the big names, Harper, Geo Baker, those guys – I think are sort of GPP darts um, at Purdue. It is a big game, so you know it's possible one of those guys kind of comes alive. But uh, one guy I kind of earmarked here was Jacob Young. Uh, he comes off the bench, but he's been playing quite a bit more lately. Uh, he's 4,800. Um, he had 6X in his last game. Uh, he's better on the road. He's one of those players, and he's also a streaky shooter. Uh, he shoots a ton. Uh, he's got a 27% usage, 26% shot share. Uh, so if he's got – if he's in – Got the ball, it's going up. And uh, that, that's basically it. I don't want to drag this game on because there's really, it's going to be limited possessions, going to be a grind. And uh, so we'll just move on. Yeah, I remember you talking about Jacob Young at the start of the season. I think all of us were kind of surprised he didn't assume a larger role on that team. But now it seems like they are kind of leveraging his scoring ability um, as it gets to do or die time. Yeah, he was a four star recruit in high school, top 100 recruit. And I think, wasn't he a brother of someone? Yeah, yeah. Brother, the kid from Oregon, right? Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, Joe Young, who's yep. a Pac-12 player of the year. So he he comes by it honestly. He's uh, athletic, quick, and uh, can shoot. And he's just not – hasn't quite put it all together yet. They've got other players they like a little bit better maybe right now. But um, he's starting to emerge a little bit. So I, I think it's a guy he's, – he's no sure thing, but you can take a chance on him. I like it. What's next, Bird? Yeah, let's go from a, a guy who can shoot to a team that can't shoot at all, and that's West Virginia. And West Virginia is hosting <laughs> Baylor. Transition game already. <laughs> uh, Baylor is a one-point road favorite with an over-under of 129. Two really good defensive teams here. You kind of have to temper expectations a little bit. Um, Jared Butler is still really safe in cash. He's got 30 DK points and six straight, and his price has re- remained relatively flat, around 7,400. Uh, Macy Oteague is probably more of a 4X option. He's the second highest usage player for Baylor, um, but hasn't really shown a whole lot of ceiling since he's returned from his wrist injury. Uh, Davion Mitchell for Baylor is 5,800. Uh, he plays a ton of minutes, great price. West Virginia does turn the ball over a lot, 
So there's a little bit of steel upside there. Mark Vital's banged up. He's got a knee issue. He's actually questionable to play. If he does miss, they've been using a lot of four-guard lineups, which means Devontae Bandu could play a ton of minutes. He's at 4,800. He may be a good value option if Vital misses the game. And then finally on the Baylor side, Matthew Mayer is 4,100. Uh, he's kind of a little bit of a microwave off the bench, comes in and just straight chucks it. Um, he's only playing 15 to 20 minutes a game, but he is 4,100. They really do need points. West Virginia, tough place to score, so I could see him maybe getting a little bit more playing time. West Virginia, they're just a, kind of a mess from a DFS perspective. Uh, certainly no cash plays. Uh, Culver's been a little bit better recently. Uh, Oscar Shibway hasn't had a smash game in 2020. Uh, Miles McBride is a really good freshman. If he knew he was going to play 30 minutes, I think you could give him a shot, but their their minutes fluctuate so much. Huggins plays such a deep bench. Uh, Baylor's a great defensive team. And so I'm probably not going to have a whole lot of exposure to West Virginia, even though they are at home, just because they are so volatile. It's just really hard to buy in. They are, but I they mean, are they, desperate. They need a win. They've lost six of eight. They got to get something going if they want to make do anything in the rest of this year. Yeah, they do. And, and and one thing I think they will have an advantage, and this is actually my official bust pick from this game. Freddie Gillespie from Baylor is priced at 7,600. So one, I haven't got Freddie Gillespie right all year. So just fair warning there. I've missed him. Old tryhard Fred had eight points and five rebounds <laughs> against the West Virginia at home. He averages 6.1 DK points less on the road. And that matchup against uh, Shibway and Culver is just not a good one for Gillespie. I have a hard time uh, thinking that he's going to get 30 DK points on the road at West Virginia. So he is my official bust pick for the day. And I will say this, and I got this written down for later, but when you talk about your bust picks, Bird, you are by far the best out of the three of us on calling out bust. And it's something like 90% accuracy. So Yeah, I think I've only missed one. Yeah, it's it's wow. pretty impressive. Yeah, so I, I think James, we have me. other strengths, but not 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 90% good. Well, Bird <laughs> always finds the worst in people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, let's move on. I don't, I don't even know what to say. I don't even know. I know. <laughs> All right, uh, the the next one we have on the list, uh, we'll go back to James, uh, Mr. Mr. Brightside over there, uh, Wisconsin <laughs> at Indiana. Uh, Indiana is a two-point home favorite, over/under of 128. Uh, Wisconsin's playing great lately. Uh, Indiana, we know, play re- plays really well at home. So kind of an interesting matchup, uh, James. Yeah, it's kind of a big game for Wisconsin. They're not only trying to make it eight in a row uh, wins here and finishing the season really strong, but if they win this game, they actually win a share of the Big Ten title, which is yeah, sort of amazing. Yeah, I thought amazing. I heard that. So with the Illinois loss last night, it puts them, would put them essentially in a three-way tie, uh, barring a, a loss from Maryland or Michigan State. But, yeah, pretty impressive. Um so from a DFS standpoint, uh, Dimitri Trice is actually the the highest priced player on Wisconsin, I think, for the first time this year. Uh, he's at seven thousand. He's priced up five hundred dollars. Uh, he hit five x uh, at that price only twice in the last ten games, but both of those games were on the road. So he's got a little GPP appeal. The only thing that really makes me sort of like him is the fact that it is such a big game. But it is at Indiana uh, also, so I, he he would be a gamble in my opinion. Uh, in GPP, but uh, Micah Potter has sort of taken over that five spot uh, between him and Reavers. They still split time. Uh, he's priced at 6,500. Indiana has given up some huge games this year to bigs on other teams. If you look at uh, Aturo, uh, Kofi, Trevion, uh, Caleb Wesson, uh, all those guys have had big games, uh, whether it be on the road or at home. 
so I think Micah Potter's in a good position. Uh, Reavers, in fact, the last time they played, uh, before Potter played, uh, Reavers actually had a pretty decent game. So I, I like him at 6,500, even on the road, tough environment. His minutes are a little inconsistent, which is the only only real knock against him. Reavers, his price is finally starting to come down a little bit. He's at 6,200. Um, he did have a 34 DK, 5X against Indiana last time, um, but he's been sub 20 DK over his last four games, so not really in great form. And, and I was just going to say, I, I have him as my official bus play as we're going through through things. And like you said, James, it's that current form. You know, hasn't been over 20 DK in a while. Hasn't hit 4X on the road since like January 17th, yeah. I think it was. Um, and 4X for him is 24.8. I just don't know how he gets there in this slower tempoed game that uh, is going to be important for both sides. Didn't mean to interrupt there, but that was just my reverse two cents. No, Go ahead thanks and wrap for up. But I definitely like Potter out of those two. If you were, you know, right, right, had to pick for one for 300 more, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Aleem Ford. You know, maybe I'd take a look at uh, 5,800. It's a little bit cheaper option. 28 DK in his last game uh, for 5X. So he's playing pretty well. On the Indiana side, he's got a, great uh, smile too. He's got a wonderful smile. <laughs> uh, Trace Jackson Davis uh, is the star freshman on that team. He's been questionable. Uh, I think he's actually got the Q tag. Uh, it seems like he's going to play, uh, but he does have a foot issue. So maybe something to keep in mind there. He's much better at home. Uh, he's averaging a shade over 4x at home, and he's going to have to play well, I think, um, for Indiana to to play well. So, um, But keep an eye on him. Rob Fennessy has been playing a lot better lately. His minutes are up. Uh, he's been playing more under control, taking more shots. Uh, he's been over 4x in uh, four of his last five games at 4,900. And then Devontae Green is somebody that is crazy to me, 4,500, 30% shot share. <laughs> so if he if he touches it it is going up and i love that uh but he's pretty inconsistent so somebody you'd probably only want to look at in a gpp scenario maybe not the greatest game to do that but he brings minutes worry too right yeah for sure yep bird anything to add to wisconsin indiana i love usage like that i mean that's everything i dream about at night is just <laughs> getting the ball and shooting it every time yep all right well that puts a bow ah i did it oh. um <laughs> That puts a bow on our don't go overboard section. Take a drink and uh, let's uh, move on to the tread water section. Yeah. So tread water, we're going to go to the SEC for Joe uh, here in Auburn at Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee is a one point favorite uh, coming off their crazy victory at Kentucky, kind of out of, out of nowhere. And this over under is 135. And Joe, you want to talk a little bit about this one? Yeah, uh, like you said, crazy victory at Kentucky. Before that, they beat Florida, and now they have Auburn coming to town. So they could close their season beating Florida, Kentucky, and Auburn. And that's pretty good momentum heading into the SEC tournament. Rick Barnes is just slowly getting that team to do what he wants them to do. (laughs) It helps that Jordan Bowden's been really good of late. Um, He's 6,900. He's 4X on an average over his last 10 games, which is nice. He had 28 the first time these two teams met. Um, In that game, Auburn won, and Auburn won without Francis Okoro. So we'll talk about him in a little bit. But first with Tennessee, you got um, Bowden at 6,900, who I mentioned. And then Fulkerson is a 6,900 as well, and he's playing – Um, very well. He's pretty safe from a cash perspective. Now, uh, the next guy on my list, I'm just going to turn right back over to you, Bird, because you like him. Uh, Yeah, Josiah Jordan James is my uh, GPP, my tournament play. He's uh, listed at 5,600. 
He needs 28 points to hit uh, 5X. He's gone 7X in back-to-back games. Uh, Auburn's coming off of losing four straight or four of their last six. Uh, they've lost three straight on the road. Tennessee, like we mentioned, is coming off the great victory against Kentucky. Um, I like them to continue their momentum here. And, and Triple J uh, really has the highest ceiling of, of any of the vowels, in, in my he opinion. Does. He does. Um, in conference play, his usage, his assist rates, his blocks, and his steals are all up compared to his overall season. Uh, he's hitting 44% of his threes in conference play. And really, we, we love to target those guys that can do a little bit of everything. And, and that's what he brings to the table. And so that's why I like him as a tournament option. And he is my official GPP play. I like that play. Very, very good call. And I mentioned earlier that Francis Socorro missed the first game. That's part of the reason why Jordan Bowden went for 28. That won't happen again because Socorro is an elite defender. And to your point, Bird, they're not going to put him on Jordan James. It's just he's not quite there from an offensive perspective to command that good of a defender. But at the same time, uh, Bowden is, and, and he's going to get locked down. So I'd probably stay off Bowden in this one. And Francis Socorro, at 6,300, you're probably not going to play. But at the same time, from an Auburn perspective, I do like Samir Doty. Austin Wiley, to me, is always going to be a GPP play just because he's very minutes-focused, very boomer bust. For the most part, Auburn, we know who they are at this point in the season. The, the actors really haven't changed. The prices haven't changed all that much. There's no hidden gem in this one. The same Tigers we've been playing all year are who's in play this time around. Yeah, fair enough. I think that makes sense. Uh, let's move on to our next game, which is Kansas at Texas Tech. Uh, KU is a four-point road favorite, over-under of 132. And uh, the Jayhawks have shared a, have clinched a share of the Big 12 title. And, and really, for Texas Tech, this is kind of a big game. You look at Texas Tech's resume, they have the win against Louisville. And, and outside of that, their resume is not all that great. So this is kind of a huge game for them. It should be it should be a really interesting one. And Joe, I think you looked at the last time they played, and they actually scored quite a few points. They did. Uh, that's you know I saw that this over under was what was it 132? Is that what you said? Yep. When I looked at the last meeting, they went to 153 in regulation. And uh, we talked about yeah we know these are two great offensive teams, but they're two great coaches with offensive talent you know what i mean and i think that gets lost in the mix you see that two defensive efficiency in ken palm you're like oh this game's going to be low scoring um so i'd take the over if i'm a betting guy there you go and we are we mentioned this last pod we're terrible at betting yes Um, but that does make sense this is a lot lower than the first game that they played from a kansas perspective so uh, you know obviously as a bookie went for 59 DraftKings points last game uh, even though he had kind of a kind of a bum ankle going into the game uh, he had a really awesome senior night moment uh, for anybody that saw that. But basically, he hasn't seen his mom. He's seen his mom one time in the last seven years, and that was the last time Kansas went to the Final Four because they'll fly your family in to watch the game. And he said, I really want to see my mom, and so I hope we make it to Atlanta. So that was kind of a cool thing for, for the senior. I, I think Azabuki and Dotson, as always, are, are playable in every format. May have to temper expectations just a little bit on the road, but I think they're playable. Uh, Marcus Garrett's price has dropped down to 7000 so he's getting closer to that 4X range, making him a more playable option. And then Agbaji, um, Isaiah Moss, and Christian Brown are probably just too scoring dependent for me to use. From a Texas Tech perspective, I think Chris Beard will go into the game saying, we're going to shoot a ton of threes, and we're going to make Kansas beat, beat us from behind the arc. I think that's how you beat Kansas. I expect a ton of threes from Ramsey. I expect a ton of threes from Moretti. Um, and so I think that's the kind of the recipe for success. Uh, another person who's going to shoot a bunch of threes is TJ Holyfield, 
who had 43 DK points uh, in, in Lawrence. You know, obviously, Azabuki has a hard time getting out on the perimeter and guarding these stretch fives. That's uh, that's Holyfield's game. And so I think he's kind of an interesting value play. Uh, James Ramsey looks like a lottery pick. Uh, he's shooting 42% from three, so I think he's a passable play. Kevin McCullers, 5,500. He's been pretty steady lately. Kansas can turn the ball over, and he does force a lot of steals. So he has a little bit of upside. And then Moretti's priced all the way down uh, to 5,300. And so I think that's his lowest price of the season. Again, he's a good three-point shooter. I think he's a potential option. And the last guy I'll mention here is my official value play, and that's Chris Clark. Uh, A lot of people remember Chris Clark from Virginia Tech. Uh, He's a guy similar to Josiah Jordan-James where he can kind of do a little bit of everything. He appears to be out of the doghouse. He played 29 minutes last game. He actually leads the conference in assist rate. He's fifth in defensive rebounding rate. He's 16th in steal rate. So another guy who can do anything, if he gets 25-plus minutes, he is a lock to hit 4X-plus. A lock? If he plays 25 minutes. Do you have the caveat in there? Joe, anything you want to add to that one, or you want to move on to the next one? No, I'm good. I got my over-under note in. My my bad gambling advice has been been given, so... Boom. I like it. Uh, Our next game is Pac-12, so very rarely do we get the Pac-12 on these early Saturday slates, so... Kind of nice to see. I wish it would have been maybe one of the other games, but uh, we'll make do with what we get, and that is Colorado at Utah. And Colorado is a five-point favorite with an over-under of 137. And James, you're going to fill in uh, and do a little bit of Pac-12 work. I'm going to try to. Big shoes to fill. Colorado played Utah already this year, and they just beat the pants off of them. Uh, 91 to 52 in early January. And so this time they're going to Utah. Uh, it's got a, a much tighter line, uh, so at least Vegas is expecting a little bit closer game this time. McKinley Wright, he's at 8,200 for Colorado. Uh, he had 42 DK at 5X last time. I feel like he's probably a solid cash play in this one. Um, he hasn't hit 5X in his last 10 games at that price, so but he's been had a pretty consistent floor, so I think he's safe. Tyler Bay, 7,900. His biggest games uh, seem to come with big rebounding games. Uh, He had 12 rebounds last time against Utah in only 26 minutes, uh, which gave him 34 DK. Uh, He's only hit 5X once in his last 10 games. Um, So a little bit of a gamble maybe with him. One guy I I do sort of like, it's a little bit cheaper price, uh, Lucas Seward at 4,500. He's their best three-point shooter. And Utah is the worst three-point defense in the entire Pac-12. They're allowing 38%. So he's a cheap option. I, again, not a consistent play. Somebody that you would uh, definitely take a chance on, but he's pretty cheap at 4,500. For Utah, you got Timmy Allen, who's their star player, 8,300. He only had 16 DK last time they played, uh, but in the last three games, he's gone 5x, 4x, and 5x. Uh, I feel like he would probably be a pretty cash play. He's gonna be a pretty important player for them uh, if they want to compete in this game and, and possibly win it. Ryland Jones, 5,900. Uh, he is questionable with concussion and uh, apparently does not look good to play, um, but keep an eye on him. But it sounds like they probably won't. If he doesn't play, which sounds like he's not, uh, my GPP play is uh, both Gotch. Uh, he's at 5,000. In his last game, he had 35 DK at 7X, uh, and that was with Jones out. And he had 4X in the two games prior to that. Uh, other than that, Uh, Brandon Carlson, maybe you can look at. Um, He's playing center. He didn't have a great game against Colorado. He only played 11 minutes, but he's kind of solidified 
uh, at the at the five spot. And he's been playing fairly well lately, um, but he's more of a boomer bust play, I would say. And then Alfonso Plummer at 4,400 is a little bit of a value play. Uh, he's had six X in uh, two of his last three. And so he's somebody you can look at. His minutes are all over the place, so he's a little risky, but yeah, that's all I got. Bird, wasn't both Gotch a 7,500 guy earlier in the year? Yeah, he was. He was, he was on a lot of NBA draft radars, um, especially early in the season. You know, long 6'6 kid who can play point guard, play shooting guard, uh, do a little bit of everything. Uh, he's really, really struggled this year, and then he was out for a while with an injury. Um, does seem to be playing better lately, which is really good to see. And, uh, you know, James mentioned Plummer as well. If Rylan Jones is out, Plummer's got to play. Like, there's just no other options. Um, so he's he's a decent option. If if Jones misses, Gotch will play um, no matter what. He, he They just need him. Uh, overall, Utah is just kind of a turnstile on defense. They're just they're just so bad. So James, I completely agree. McKinley Wright, uh, really nice cash play. Uh, Tyler Bay, good cash play as well. Awesome, good good filling work there, James. Thank you. Gotcha, James. We gotcha. gotcha. <laughs> you both gotcha. There we go. Well, let's move on to the SEC. <laughs> let's get Joe back on the mic. People miss his voice. People miss his face. If they could see it, super handsome. Kentucky at Florida. Is our next one. Florida is a three-point favorite, over/under of 137. Kind of an intriguing game here. Florida team we thought was going to be a Final Four contender. Kentucky, uh, everybody proclaimed to be their new Final Four contender until they laid a complete egg against Tennessee. So kind of an intriguing game here, Joe. It, it is, and that's the Ken Palm line. So let, let's clarify that. I don't know if uh, Florida will still be three tomorrow. Or even if they're if they're three right now, um, but that was what Ken Palm had on this. Um, I was uh, imp- kind of impressed that the one over under was 137. I figured this game would be a little more defensive minded. These two teams hooked up in Rupp not too long ago, played a really tight game. That's when Florida was starting to play well, um, and Kentucky was kind of red hot. Kentucky went to that three guard oriented, just said basically omitted the small forward position altogether and went with the six, three, all three, six, three guards. And they've been really looking good until they had that stumble against Tennessee. Um, I think this will be uh, an opportunity to get right against Florida, but who's been playing well right now is Emmanuel quickly at 7,200 Tyrese Maxey at 7,000 Ashton Higgins has kind of uh, fallen off a little bit and, and it's really odd. Um, really it's, him and quickly can't do it at the same time. It's either one or the other, it seems like. Um, and then the good thing about Kentucky is they're not deep. They haven't found any help. So it's just the five guys. It's those three guards. It's uh, Montgomery down low at 4,300. And then Richards down low at 6,900. And James, you have some opinions on Nick Richards. Yeah, he's my bus pick. He only had uh, 15 DK uh, the first time these teams played. And that was uh, playing 30 minutes. Uh, if you look at his recent logs, he's actually got a couple. Um, he's got another 15 uh, DK game uh, against Texas A&M where he struggled and a couple 20 DK games there. So he, he really hasn't kind of put it together in a, in a little while. I don't know if there's anything else going on there. Uh, looks like you know foul trouble might be an issue. So he's a guy right now that I just don't have a ton of confidence in. So he's my best That's player. That's fair. And, and he's he's logging a ton of minutes and honestly with as much as he's played in the past seasons, he's never played this much in a season. They really leaned on him a ton this year. And I think he's just wearing down a little bit on the flip side of that. You are seeing EJ Montgomery's minutes come up and at 4,300 he's live because he's going to play 30 minutes. Now 
with EJ Montgomery, he gets you 30 DK or 10, and it's maddening, but he's definitely a GPP target at that low of a price, especially if you're going to play that anti-Richards narrative. On the Florida side of things, because we obviously need two basketball teams to play a basketball game, um, it's senior night, and Kerry Blackshear's a senior, <laughs> and he's actually, he's also at a season-low price point. Blackshear's at 6700 He's been bad for a while, which is why his price has dropped so much. But the minutes are still there, and at times he'll show some rebounding upside or some uh, of that he's old a tin man. He's a tin man. Come on. <laughs> I think that this, this game, given that it's Kentucky at home in his last home collegiate game, I think Blackshear is in play, especially at 6,700 tomorrow. Uh, Keontae Johnson's just been killing it for Florida. Um, 50 points, 40 points, whatever he wants on a DK basis. He's 7,700. A little rich for me, given the, the, the pace of this game. Um, same goes for Andrew Nebhart for 7,200. Just we prefer Nemhart in faster pace games, and this isn't going to be one of those. For Florida recapping, I like Blackshear, and I also like uh, Scotty Lewis. Um, you talk about a McDonald's All-American who loves to play defense, who's a freshman, who's going to get you 30 plus, 35 plus minutes for 4,800. So that's opportunity right there. Scotty Lewis is an in- intriguing option as well. Scotty Lewis is that a guy that we should keep an eye on early next season? Is is he a guy that's really going to take over kind of the being the top scoring option on that team early yeah, next on year. NBA D, on the NBA D league, he'll be one of the top <laughs> scorers. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing. We'll, we'll see. He's definitely has the talent to play at the next level, but all of Florida is freshmen and sophomores. So depending on how much they lose from next year, we'll see. Um, if they only lose Blackshear, then it's still going to be a Keontae Johnson, Andrew Nebhardt, uh, Noah Locke, who I didn't mention who's 4,900 as a shooter. He doesn't do anything from an ancillary perspective, but he can score. Um, and, and Scotty Lewis is a willing defender. You know, I would not put more offense on him. Yeah, I like that but, he's played, you know, mid-30 minutes the last three games. I think that's a really encouraging sign towards the end of the season. For sure. So um, should be a good game, uh, maybe not the prettiest, but hey, it is what it is. And that's going to put an end to our section. Yeah, let's move on to the dive-in section. We actually have some really nice games here. Four uh, We games. have four here, uh, four really nice ones. And so the first one is Villanova at Georgetown. Villanova is a three-point favorite on the road, over-under of 147. I'm just going to assume that Mac McClung and Omar Seven are never going to play basketball again. Is that a fair statement. I, th- I think so. Unfortunately, I mean, they haven't played in so long and I didn't realize when that was, when those injuries happened, it didn't seem like it was going to be that bad, but man, they each tried to play a game at different points during their time off and it didn't take. And then they were out again after that. It was weird. It's been weird. The whole situation has been weird. Georgetown's just, and I don't mean to jump in here, Bert, but that whole season, I, I kind of feel bad for Patrick Ewing, and I never thought I would say that. And this is coming from a guy who gifted him getting dunked on four times this week. But go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, break down the game. That's what they want. Yeah, it is. So, so Villanova won the first game 80-66 uh, to 66 back home in, in early January. Uh, Sadiq Bey had 33 points in that game, eight three-pointers. Uh, he's at 7,500. Uh, he's always in play. Uh, Colin Gillespie was questionable last game with a thigh issue, but he still played 35 minutes. Doesn't seem to be any concerns there. He had 11 points, nine rebounds, and five assists last time they played Georgetown. He is at 7,200, so he feels like a really safe, another great cash option. 
Jeremiah Robinson Earl is priced down to 7,000, which we'd been talking about a couple months ago. I can't wait till he gets to this price point. Um, he's at 7,000. He had 14 points, seven boards, and two blocks in their first matchup. Uh, the only really change for Villanova right now is Justin Moore's been priced up to 6,000. Uh, he's had 30 DK points in three of his last four. Um, so he has priced up a little bit, which concerns me. Uh, Jermaine Samuels, same role, same price that he's been all season long. And honestly, Joe, I'm I'm kind of good with all these guys for Villanova. I think they're all reasonable plays. Yeah, they they are. I, lo- I love Villanova from a DFS perspective is is where you go when you start building your cash lineups, right? Everybody makes sense. Everybody's probably gonna do what they need to do. Jay Wright's a dreamboat. I mean, I don't know what more you you could want. Yeah, it's it's a great scenario for DFS. They don't really play a deep bench. Uh, they all have their role. They know their role, and and they play it well. Uh, yep. From a Georgetown perspective, like we talked about, McClung and Yard 7 are questionable at best. Uh, Javon Blair is 6700 His price has skyrocketed, um, but he's had at least 16 real points in eight of his last nine games. He took 18 shots against Marquette. He took 15 shots against Xavier. He took 23 shots last game against Creighton. And he's not just a scorer. like He does a little bit of other things. So I feel like even though his price has jumped up to 6700 he is cheap. still a good play. I think he's still yep. fair. Uh, Jamaro Pickett has at least 20 points, uh, 20 DK points in eight of his last nine games. He's hit 28 DK in five of those. Uh, Jagan Mosley is at 6,100. He's going to play every single minute. He's kind of a reasonable 4X option. Uh, Terrell Allen is still running the point guard, still playing mid-30 minutes. He probably has... Senior night. It it is senior night, so so I think that's one good thing. You know, he's a... He's a grad transfer senior, um, but his ceiling's probably, and Joe, you're, you're, you cover this a little bit more than I do. I feel like his ceiling's maybe a little bit lower than those other guys. Yeah. Uh, but still yeah, a guy who's going right. to be on the floor. Yep. And then uh, Wahab, or Cutis Wahab, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. He's 4,500. Uh, he just dropped 34 DK points. He's playing around 25 minutes a game uh, since year seven has been out. He had 23 DK points in limited minutes against Villanova the first time. And and so he is not a terrible value option at 4,500 at home. Uh, Joe, is there anybody I missed there? A kind of uh, really, I, I think a lot of very viable options in this game. I, a lot of kind of high floor plays. Here's the thing: you named everyone except for one that's under scholarship, and I think <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's what you want to do when uh, covering a team: name everybody. So um, I go, I go, Hofi or whatever his name is is also under scholarship, and but he's not. You, you play Wahab if you're going to go the forward route, but no, I, I I liked everything you said there. I don't like the the group that you mentioned: Pickett, Mosley, Allen, uh, Blair they're all in that 6k range. So there's not a lot of separation and on a given night, one could go off versus the other, but I think you did an excellent job of calling out um, who's more likely to, and who's in what form. So hats off. I meant to say pants off, not hats off. Cause I really <laughs> liked it. <laughs> <laughs> and with, with pants off in mind, let's go to that Georgia at LSU game. Cause it has an over under <laughs> of 161. And I think all our bucket heads are going to have their pants off when they see that one. Uh, LSU is a nine-point home favorite, and that is going to be just a complete shootout. A shootout. It's going to be pacey. It's going to be limited defense and lack of discipline. Um, it's it's going to be something. <laughs> I don't even know where to begin. Um, I'll begin with Georgia just because – actually, James, I'm going to let you begin with Georgia because your cash plays from the Bulldogs. Yeah, I'm going with Ant-Man. I'm just – I'm not going to complicate it here. I know he's a stud player. 
I know LSU has a very suspect defense and uh, there should be obviously a lot of points in this game. So not going to overthink it. Uh, this is a guy that recently had uh 57 DK, 40 DK, 52, 58 DK. So mm-hmm. um, I'm playing him as a cash. Surely you could play him as a GPP as well, um, mm-hmm. but he feel, feels pretty safe to me. He does. He needs 32.4 to hit value and he could do that in a half in this game. Um, he's averaging 38.3 over his last 10 and James called out some of the 50 burgers that he's had. Unfortunately, and I hate to say this, but that's where my Georgia plays end. Um, Rayshon Hammonds, <laughs> it's it's true. It's just that team's, no one's really materialized. Rayshon Hammonds is a good player, but he disappears, especially on the road. So I can't justify paying that price for him. And then the, everyone else on the team, you're going at $5,300 or less, whether it be Crump or Harris or Wheeler or Kamara. These guys are all just darts. You know, they're all going to mix and match minutes. Someone's going to get 26 and everybody else is going to have 16 to 18, but they're all priced at a point where there's no value in it. So from a Georgia perspective, play Ant-Man and just get away. Don't don't try to get cute with anywhere else, especially on an 11 game slate. I know the 161 is tempting, but I, I just don't like playing that guessing game. Bird, what, what's your thoughts on that and my line of thinking? No, I think that's fair, and, and LSU offers enough value in some of their options that that I think we don't have to we don't have to guess. And, there, and then, like we said, there's there's four games in this dive-in section. There's plenty of value on this slate. There's plenty of uh, kind of smash spots on this slate. Unless you want to just be contrarian and, and try to catch fire, um, I, I think it's it's safer to to go look elsewhere. I agree. And that, that, thank you. Thank you for agreeing with me, and thank you for kicking me off, James. Let me move on to LSU now. I love Skylar Mays. Um, in fact, I have him as my cash play. So James and I each got our cash plays. Skylar Mays is a hundred less than Anthony Edwards, and he doesn't have the ceiling that Edwards has. He's not going to drop 60 on you, but he's dropped 40 in back-to-back games. He's also a senior at LSU, and this is the senior night. So I'll play up that narrative a little bit. And he's someone who plays the whole game for him anyways. So given the pace, Georgia's lack of defense, the home game, the senior night. I love Skylar Mays, so give me him all day as my cash play. Marlon Taylor is their sixth man. He's also a senior. Senior night normally leads to a little more usage and a little more extended run, and Marlon Taylor is just someone that Bird and I and James have always liked playing this year. Um, so for the mid-fours, he's an option. Um, when you're talking about some of the regulars that aren't seniors, I stay away from Emmett Williams and Darius Days, especially this last month. They seem to be kind of robbing Peter to pay Paul with those two. Javante Smart's a good cash option. Trendon Watford's been a pretty good steady cash option as well. And that pretty much does it for the Tigers. But I do have, you'll like this one, guys. I've got a true purple unicorn. And for those of you who are DFS OGs, the originals, we use the emojis on Twitter to call out a purple unicorn emoji whenever we found someone who was three thousand dollars right and lsu has a guy his name is marshall graves he's a guard he's three thousand dollars on the nose he's the third senior on the team it is senior night but it's not just a guy who is a gpa guy on the end of the bench or a six minute a game or garbage time guy he played 20 minutes last game um, as they were needed him a, a little bit more than usual i think given that he played 20 minutes last game it's senior night. He could get an extended run here. There's been games in the past in his career game long where he's randomly gotten 26 minutes, 24 minutes. But yeah, Marshall Graves, number 12 for LSU. He's three grand. It's a one o'clock tip. 
could be interesting. I don't know. Maybe not. It's a purple unicorn, though. <laughs> we love purple unicorns. Uh, Trenton Watford, uh, you know, uh, kind of a high floor play for, as a freshman as well. He's at 7,100, kind of right where he's been all year. Hasn't played it quite as well lately, um, but another guy that can could certainly get you a nice 4X uh, performance. So good job on that one, Joe. I like, I like what you did there. Let's move on to uh, Marquette at St. John's. Marquette is a one-point road favorite, uh, over-under of 153. Really important game for Marquette to win. And uh, James, you want to hit on this one? So first of all, Marcus Howard, 9,200 in this game. Joe and I were talking a little bit before we jumped on here, and he's always in play, right, for GPP. Uh, He had 47 DK last time these teams played. The Johnnies are actually one of the most fouling teams in the Big East. Um, They have a 40% free throw attempt to field goal attempt on defense. And so this is a crazy stat, actually. Marcus Howard averages 7.7, so almost eight fouls drawn per 40 minutes. So almost, yeah, every five minutes of game time, he draws a foul. So that's actually fifth in the nation. Good good chance that he'll go to the line quite a bit. I like uh, a name a little bit, uh, 6,600. Marquette's the better rebounding team. There'll be a lot of shots, a lot of possessions, um, so I don't mind it so much. Uh, the Johnny's also a really bad two-point percentage defense, uh, 53% they're allowing there. So it's a little bit of opportunity for him and Theo John. Theo John actually only had one point against them in the previous game, but he ended up with 22 DK at 4X because he had six blocks. <laughs> so I thought that was just kind of an interesting stat. Maybe, maybe not the best play at 5,300, but somebody you could look at. And so that also brings me to my value play, which is Jace Johnson. Yeah, the big man. That's right. I like him. He's had a nice little three-game stretch here. He's playing uh, hair over 20 minutes, about 22, 23 minutes a game. And he's had uh, 26 DK, 21 DK, and uh, 19 DK against Paul in the last game. So he's only 4,400. I think that he would only need, what, 17, 18 DK uh, to hit there. So. I feel pretty good about him in this game. Yep. So as far as St. John's goes, and I'm just going to highlight a a couple of the plays um, here, but Figueroa uh, is kind of their guy. Uh, He's sort of been all over the map. If you look at his game logs recently uh, against Creighton, which would be similarly up-tempo, he had 44 DK, obviously a monster game, but that's sandwiched around uh, 10 DK and 11 DK. Minutes are kind of all over the place, too, so not totally sure what's going on there, but he's clearly can show a ceiling, not very consistent, so GPP only, but this would be the the kind of matchup you'd probably want to play somebody like him. Uh, and then sort of the same for uh, Rasheem Dunn. Again, had a really great game uh, against Creighton, but you look at some of his other games, and they're, you know he's got some pretty bad ones in there, too, so I would sort of throw him in that same category. And then Another guy here, kind of their third option here. I'll let Bird talk a little bit about him, but uh, Justin uh, Champagny. Yeah, so Justin Champagny is at Pittsburgh, his twin brother, and uh, Julian Champagny is here in St. John's. And <laughs> now, James is our ACC guy, so that's fair. That is oh, fair. yeah, <laughs> totally fair. I just know you're trying to drop some knowledge to the Bucketheads, which is why you said that, uh, but they are <laughs> twin brothers. Unlike the Morris twins, they decided to go to separate colleges instead of uh, how do you know they don't? Around. How do you, how do you know they don't switcheroo? Uh, well, that's that's why you go to the same school so you can do the switcheroo. <laughs> Duh. I thought in Live and Maddie, one was the basketball star and the oh other one was the God. actor. And 
Joe's got girl, girl, <laughs> girl. Did dad, I just lose dad. my cred? Is it? No, we lost that a long time ago. All right, good. <laughs> yeah, so Jillian Champagny, uh, he's at 6,700. He needs roughly 27 DK points to hit value, and that's a number he's hit in three of his last four games. One of the highest over-unders on the slate. He's going to see 30-plus minutes, and uh, Marquette can be beat, especially down low uh, from two points. Two-point field goal attempts. Uh, before he got his minute bump, he had eight points and nine rebounds in 21 minutes against Marquette. Uh, super safe floor, really reasonable price point, and highest over/under on the slate. So I really like him as a cash value. I think he cruises to, you know, 28 plus DK points. As the Big East guy, we said a lot of words there, and uh, I think you guys did a pretty good job. I'm not going to lie to you. This uh, St. John's team's kind of weird in the sense that it, you know, you'd think there would be somebody like an obvious play there, but other than Champagny, look around up and down the roster here, and I don't know, Joe, you've, you've been covering this team more, but no, yeah, I mean, L.J. Figueroa has normally been the guy, and he's he's kind of fallen on hard times of late, but really they're missing um, Mustafa Heron, who is a uh, big sure. piece yeah. to that offense. Um, he's been out for a while, and when he they haven't really backfilled what he does for that team, and um, that that's that's just kind of when this team went off the rails. Yeah, Greg Williams has played pretty well lately at the shooting guard spot. He's had kind of back to back decent yeah, games. Yeah. I think he's somebody you could look at as a potential value guy. And then Marcellus Erlington is playing a lot of minutes at the power forward right now. Um, he's a guy that I, thought, I think people thought was going to step up. He hasn't quite shown it yet, um, but he's going to be a guy who's going to be out on the court a lot too. Um, so there are some kind of contrarian plays that you could look at in, in this game as well. I'm good with that one. All right. Well, let's go to the last one. We're going to stay in the Big East, and this game's just awesome. Just like one of those games you just want to sit back and watch every minute of it. Uh, some really efficient offenses, uh, really fun players in general. Uh, Seton Hall at Creighton. Creighton is a three-point home favorite, over-under of 151. And, Joe, this game's just it's going to be awesome. Yeah, no, it really is. Miles Powell is 8,200. He's going to get his. You know that. Um, I really like Sandro Mamu Kalashvili. He's in excellent form right now. He needs 35.5 for 5X because I, I think he's going to be my GPP play today. And uh, he's done that in his last three. And there's nothing about this Creighton matchup that it screams interior presence that's going to slow him down or uh, be bigger than him. So give me all the Mamu you can handle in, in your GPP lineups. Um, staying on Seton Hall. Quincy McKnight is a great player, but he's never been that great of a, a DFS guy. But he's a phenomenal player and crucial to that team. Uh, Roden's kind of taken a back seat since Sandro's return from the injury. Um, again, still talented and fills a role, but not as prominent as when Sandro was out. Um, and then I'm also going to do my, uh, you can see I'm haul in, but I'm also going to put my value play from this game as well. And uh, the other Miles, Miles Kale, he needs 16.8 to hit value. He's uh, working his way out of the doghouse. His minutes have slowly increased, uh, 18, 22, and 27 in his last three. And Miles Kale, I wrote about this this week. Um, so for those of you who read it, you know what I'm going to say. But Miles Kale is someone that they need, and it's someone that they lean on. And when games get tight, his minutes are going to go up. It's just that presence he needs to be on the floor for that team. Um, don't you get that sense, Bird, when you watch Seton Hall? Oh, I do. Yeah, it seems like he's out of the doghouse. Got 27 minutes last game and a close two-point game. Um, Willard does trust him. He's a versatile player. He can bring a lot to the floor. And, and yeah, I think this is this is a huge game. We're getting close to tourney time, and 
they need to put their best players out on the court. Yep. And uh, so that, that that's good to see. And when you talk about a team like Creighton that has a bunch of guards and a bunch of shooters, you're going to need his length and versatility as well. Now, of the shooters for Creighton, Zegarowski has retaken over the uh, price king for that team, which is interesting because I like Tyshawn Alexander better. And, Bird, we talked about this offline. You, you were kind of surprised none of us went with Tyshawn for our cash plays. Yeah, I thought he'd be a really good cash play, and I tried to dig deep uh, just to get a little bit more insight on, on, the, on the matchup itself. And we know we have a lot of respect for Quincy McKnight, a guy who's kind of been the Marcus Howard whisperer in the past, really elite yep. defender. And everything I can see shows that he guarded uh, Zagorowski uh, the right. last time that they played. Who's going to be guarding Tyshawn? Uh, Miles Powell? <laughs> so that's, that's I think okay. he has that, – that, that's okay, but he's going to score. It's not McKnight. He's going to score a lot of points. He's going to rebound. Um, and so I think I, I like Tyshawn a lot. I think he's a really good play. Yeah. And then the third one of that, that backcourt is, uh, uh, Mitch Ballack and Ballack's going to have the ancillary production, but he's uh, only a GPP option for me because he just doesn't consistently score enough. Um, uh, but if he gets out 20, if he scores 20 points, cause he's hitting a shot and looking for his shot, he's going to get 40 DK. Um, but typically he takes a back seat. The forwards, Jefferson and Bishop, they're both in the low fives. Neither are anything special. None are going to smash a double-double or anything. If you're looking to go that route, I'd rather just drop down to Denzel Mahoney. Um, he's kind of been my guy all year. He's 4,900, has guard and forward eligibility, has excellent usage, and is a, just a natural scorer. So if you've seen Denzel Mahoney, you know what I'm talking about. He's, he's someone that you can always target for 4,900. Yeah, Miles Powell's price down just a couple hundred dollars, um, 8200 Obviously playable in all formats as well, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I open with Powell, and I, I, I always stand by Powell. Um, on the road, he's not as good as at home, and he did last game. He's the focus of everyone's defense, right? <laughs> so he did he did last game kind of get shut down from an offensive standpoint, shut down in Miles Powell's terms. I think he had 18. But it was nice to see him come back and have seven assists that game. So he's he's a gamer. He's a baller. He knows what to do. You know, you're never going to take him out completely. And really, essentially, that that wraps it up, guys. That's all 11 games on uh, on our schedule. We went through the three that were in the don't go overboard section, the four that were in the tread water, and the four in the dive in. Recapping our cash value GPP and bus plays. Our cash plays were uh, Julian Champagne. Skylar Mays and Anthony Edwards, some real firepower there. The value guys were Chris Clark, Miles Kale, and Jace Johnson. GPP was Josiah Jordan James, Sandro Mamu Kalashvili, and Booth Gotch. And finally, our bus selections were Freddie Gillespie, Nate Reavers, and Nick Richards. So all of us went with bigs at bus. Anybody concerned about that? Because bigs tend to accumulate rebounds and blocks sometimes, a little out of your control. Yeah, no, I mean you 100% make you make confidence. What was that? 100% confidence. 100%. Well, like you said, you're 94% on uh, your bus plays. So yeah, that's not just bad. Bird. And then, James, you and I, we're both 70%, but on different stats. Do you want to take a guess what your best is? Not GPP, so I would say maybe cash. Yeah, you're, you're best at cash, and I've been the best at values so far. We're hitting about hmm. 70% of those, which is nice. None of us are hitting a high percentage on GPPs because, again, you need that extra 5x to score. So that's a hard a hard one to consistently win. I know last week I, I should have went four for four but missed my GPP by a smidge and missed another one by a smidge. I'd be curious at what percentage of our GPP plays actually hit 4x. 
I bet that would be a pretty high number. I can have that for next time. It is a high number. I will say our standings right now, if we're not able to get in another one of these competitions, I would need to go 4-0 and Bird would need to go 0-4 to make this thing interesting. Because Bird's at 37. James, you're very live at 35. So you're still very much in the mix of winning this thing. And then I'm at 33. So I would need to go 4-0 and maybe hit a 7x bonus or something if I wanted to take it down. But as of right now, it looks like Bird, James, me is, is the way it's set up. I'm not surprised. You know, I, I, I'm a genius. You guys you smell are... the best. <laughs> you, you have the I best head of hair. Weekly. No, At I think least. it's a lot of fun. I, I think hopefully people find value in it. I, you know, it is kind of just, it is just, just for fun, but uh, a good way just to point out some players. And I, and I do like the new format where we're kind of going into every game now instead of just focusing on that. So I think we made some good changes. I think we made some really good picks today. I feel really confident about uh, our plays and I really feel confident that our bucket heads are going to win just a ton of money this March. Oh, I, I know for sure that they will. All right, Bucketheads, let's get out of here. Twitter, at CBB underscore DFS. Website, Bird, go. H-T-T-P. <laughs> I don't even know what it is. Colon, backslash, backslash. There we go. CBB-DFS.com. Uh, podcast, you can find us anywhere. Uh, we do read the re- reviews off of iTunes, so if you want to leave us a review uh, or a rating, uh, you can do that on iTunes. We are going to be around. We're going to try to get as much content out as we possibly can over yeah. these next couple of weeks. And we are just so excited for March. We're looking forward to our Bucketheads really uh, having a profitable month. A very profitable month. Bucketheads, have a great night and win all of the money. Go Bradleys. Go Bradleys.